Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed. Uh, it's cut down week here, and unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry, Ted Nguyen did not make the cut. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough news that we uh, we had to say goodbye to Ted. You know, there's only enough room on this roster for, for three of us, apparently. And he didn't make the cut this week. Long overdue. Yeah, I mean, he showed up late to leave our stadium for the game and everything. I was like, yeah, man, this guy's got to go. Get him out of here. Trash. But the roster's fluid. And we might be bringing Ted back. <laughs> he might just be on vacation. And he might be back next week. Or it might have just been that like we all hung out on Sunday. We had dinner together. First time us all being together in one place. And he might have just said, I'm dumb, you guys. I, I don't, I don't want to be around you anymore. He requested his release like John Brown. And that leads us into John Brown. The Raiders uh, receiver was kind of one of their prominent free agents. You know, at least among the top couple, obviously, after Yannick Ngakwe, a guy that was really supposed to help fulfill the role uh, left by Nelson Aguilar and, you know, was supposed to be the backup to Ruggs. We all kind of thought him, thought he was going to be like the number three receiver. Obviously, you know, you've got Ruggs, Edwards, Renfro as a slot, but he was supposed to be the next guy in that line. And uh, Vic, your guy Zay Jones, his former teammate in Buffalo, when when John Brown was out uh, putting up big numbers and, and Zay Jones was kind of a, an afterthought, Zay Jones uh, made him an afterthought here. Yeah, he was. I mean, throughout most of the camp, you didn't see or hear much about John Brown. You kind of always knew he was there. You knew they paid him you know, $3.25 million. You figured he had a role. I'm sure he figured he had a role. And then I'm sure as camp went on, he kind of figured out, that, yeah, I'm behind Zay Jones. I'm like, I'm the fifth guy all of a sudden. So that's not what you want. I mean, John Brown's got a pretty good resume. I had pretty good highlights last year even. So I'm sure in his mind, he's like, that's not going to work for me. And they're like, I'm sure if a guy doesn't want to be here, that's their whole thing. You know, they want character guys and guys to buy in. So if a guy doesn't want to be there, they'll move on, even at the cost of, I think, like, they'll probably eat uh, $2 million of his, of his signing bonus. But, um, yeah, a little surprising. I mean, obviously, like you said, they don't have a lot of bullets to fire at free agency. So when they fire a couple up, and Gawkway was a big one, and John Brown's probably next. And then that guy doesn't make the roster. That's not a great sign. But I'm sure people who are positive will say, well, it shows they have depth, and otherwise, Zay Jones beat him out. So there's two ways to look at it. But to me, it's not ideal. We'll, we'll see where he ends up. And uh, it'd be ironic if he had wound up on the Ravens playing him they have some injuries at wide receiver, so if he wound up there and they played him in the opener, that might not be great either. So we'll see. I don't think many people chose would have chosen Willie Sneed of, of the two veteran receivers that they signed to, to make the team over John Brown. You know, he hasn't been that productive the last couple of years in his career compared to – I know John Brown was beat up last year with injury, but, I mean, he was a 1,000-yard guy as recently as, as 2019. So he seemed like, especially when you're throwing the guarantees, a, a lock to make the roster. But like you said, I mean, I didn't really notice him 
that much throughout training camp. Making, you know, he wasn't making a ton of plays. He didn't take a ton of snaps. And, you know, at first I kind of thought, you know, maybe it's just kind of, you know, some veteran load management. You don't really need to see what he's doing because you know what he's about. But, you know, as we all said, when we saw him playing a lot in that last preseason game, it was kind of like, oh, something, you know, might be up here. But, you know, I think he's kind of, you know, if it, if they are confident in Henry Ruggs taking that next step, um, him and John Brown are kind of like redundant a little bit just with their skill sets. Uh, you know, both like 5'11-ish speed guys and uh, kind of have similar roles. And so if you think, you know, Ruggs is ready to kind of take off, I guess there really wouldn't be too many times where you would take Ruggs off the field for John Brown, you know, bar an injury. I guess that's the only thing that, you know, if they do have, you know, Henry Ruggs was, was a little bit beat up last year and Brian Edwards had some injuries. So if they do have a couple more injuries, you know, at that receiver position, maybe, you know, they regret that move a little bit. But, you know, it seems like they're confident in Ruggs. And, and this is just another kind of message instilling that. It's one of those where if you're John Brown and you see that Ken Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr, all these guys are, are staying home uh, on Saturday and not getting on that flight to the Bay Area, and you're hopping on that flight. Uh, I mean, the, the Raiders spent only, what, about half their team? Um, I mean, it looked almost like a high school team when you looked over at the sidelines because they, you know, basically all their starters, the guys that weren't going to play, didn't need to travel to the Bay Area. So, yeah, I mean, when we saw them out there, I mean, you knew he, he had to, at the very least, be on the bubble. The surprising thing is that we kind of thought if that meant he was on the bubble, then it probably would mean that they were bringing, you know, that a guy like Dylan Stoner might make the team. And he had uh, had some nice plays on Sunday. He doesn't make the initial 53. He does make the practice squad. And by the time you guys are listening, the Raiders might have made the roster move. We know they've got four guys, Nicholas Morrow, Javin White, Jalen Richard, and Keyshawn Nixon, who all made the initial 53 but are currently injured will likely are expected to go on short-term injured reserve. So they're going to be able to bring four guys up to the roster. And again, by the time you guys are listening, they probably will have already made those moves. And uh, Stoner would seem like an obvious choice. Trey Regis, another obvious choice probably to get a a third running back in there. But yeah, I mean, uh, surprised at all that they didn't just put Stoner on the roster? or I mean, because I know Mayock said he was, they were concerned about some of these guys, especially Regis, um, that they might get claimed. But ultimately, no Raiders players got claimed on waivers, so they were able to bring back whoever they wanted. Yeah, like you mentioned, they had the four guys that had to keep those four spots. The guys were hurt. I was, um, I guess you say I was surprised um, they kept um, Bowers, the tight end. They kept the tower Bowers over Carrier. And also, uh, you mentioned uh, Javon White. Javon White's a guy who I wasn't sure was a lock for the roster anyway, and he's hurt. So that's a guy I could have seen they cut him and bring him back afterwards, but they wanted to make sure they kept him. So they kept him on the, the 53-man roster. And now we'll see what they do with them. That's a that's a spot. I didn't think they'll keep six linebackers, you know, on the original fifty three man roster. So that's one spot where I thought may have gone to a receiver or to another the fourth tight end. So, um, but yeah, they have a plan in mind, and like you said, it's all fluid, and we'll see how it all looks in a in a couple of days. But um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Stoner's on the roster come uh, come the opener. You know, I guess the one thing with with the cut of John Brown, Vic, you reported does sound like uh, he, he does have offsets in his contract. So that's the one thing that saved him a little bit, right? That they aren't going to be out the full guarantee. Uh, assuming, he, I mean, he hasn't yet signed anywhere. I mean, uh, I believe uh, maybe you know, by the time you guys are listening again, we're recording Thursday morning. So he may have uh, found his way into a roster, but it sounds like um, they, they will at least be able to offset whatever he makes uh, when he signs somewhere else. Yeah, you would assume he'll sign. I mean, like I said, he had good numbers last year, good highlights. So it's uh, $1.75 million in signing bonus, which they eat. Then 1.5 in salary, which they won't eat if he signs somewhere else. And like you said, it's offset. So that makes it a little uh, easier to stomach. But, uh, you know, and they also eat a million dollars with Carl Joseph. So that right there is uh, $2.75 million 
day. And they're not like a, you know, they don't have a lot of money that they blow on free agency anyway this year. So that's kind of a, it's not great. It's not a great sign that you, you spend that money and it's, it's gone uh, before the opener. Yeah, I think on the money note, uh, I think it was an ESPN report that they did restructure Nick Kwiatkowski's salary for this season. I think that freed up around $2.3 million in space. So I guess maybe that was just kind of their move to maybe offset those losses that they took uh, by making those two cuts. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's kind of one of the, the spots that kind of, I wouldn't say surprised me, but, um, you know, with, with Jalen Richard, I was kind of curious just, you know, with him making $3.5 million this season, where they're going to, you know, roster him and, and kind of hold on to him. And because uh, if they had cut him, you know, they would have been cleared that full 3.5 million off the books. And so if they did want some extra money to make a move or two, that seemed like a pretty easy way to do it. Um, but, you know, I guess, he, again, he's another guy, you know, he's been with the franchise for a long time. Uh, you know, he's their best pass blocking running back, you know, arguably their best route running running back. And so even though he's probably going to be out for the first few weeks of the season or so um I guess they must be pretty confident that you know in that third running back role he's he's worth that money and they also knew obviously that they could you know restructure um some contracts elsewhere if they, they needed a little extra cash yeah I'm curious with the restructure of Kriakowski if that means they're trying to sign somebody else right away like I know yesterday at the shots at the press conference and Mike Mack had a phone call he had to walk away I was kind of I was kind of weird but I wonder if that was an agent or like maybe there's a guy they're trying to get people will want to say KJ Wright which um would make sense but it's, I mean, it's weird that Kukowski would take a restructure to get someone <laughs> to, to, another his, guy. to take his job. Yeah, like, oh, here's my play, here's my money and my playing time. Good luck. But uh, but uh, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of needs. We mentioned uh, O-line still. I think they need another linebacker, uh, running back. If Richard's out for a while, I think they want to go with, with Ragus uh, in the opening roster. Uh, cornerback. So there's all, there's definitely spots I could fill with a guy off, either off waivers or who's still a free agent. What do we think about Roderick Teamer making it over Carl Joseph? I mean, Joseph, obviously the former first round pick makes, you know, had a, I think a salt was solid with Cleveland last year after leaving for a year, um, comes back and, you know, was supposed to be the, the veteran guy in that secondary. Um, and the, you know, that's the second straight year that they've signed, uh, what a former Browns, uh, a safety from the Browns because, uh, Demarius Randall that doesn't end up making it. And, uh, you know, again, it was pretty obvious once he was out there uh, flying around playing a lot on Sunday. Yeah, I think with Carl, the biggest thing was, I don't think we ever found out what his injury was, but I mean, he didn't practice for, I would say, probably percentage-wise, most of training camp. Didn't play in the first two preseason games, and so it wasn't as shocking to see him get cut just because he hadn't spent that much time out there. You know, I, I was you know, honestly surprised to see, you know, Teamer make the roster as a result of that. I mean, he was a guy that really, we mostly saw him on special teams in training camp, and I believe he was in those fights with the Rams, uh, pretty active participant in that. Uh, you know, in the preseason games, I mean, it, he did play pretty often kind of in that box safety role behind Abram. And he had a couple games where he, he had a good amount of tackles and he, he seemed to be around the ball pretty frequently. And, you know, I wasn't sure how much stock to put into that given, you know, it was against like second teamers and, and third string, you know, offensive players on the other side of the ball. But, you know, I think we both kind of underestimated or all of us kind of underestimated, you know, that familiarity you have with Gus Bradley as well, playing with playing under him with the Chargers in 2019. And, uh, he was just a lot more available than, than Carl Joseph was. And so, you know, I, I think the the Joseph signing, it was always kind of, you know, it, it, he was never going to be like a starter or anything like that. It's more like a depth piece. And so I don't think it's like the end of the world that, that he didn't make the team. But it is kind of, you know, with the John Brown signing, kind of curious that they these veterans that we, we figured were probably locks to make the rock, roster didn't even, you know, make the 53. 
Yeah, to me, like obviously players approach training camp a different way. I, I'm guessing Carl Joseph looked at the depth chart, looked at he was obviously had some injuries. In his mind, probably the, the goal was to get ready for opening day. I'm sure his mind was, you know what? Ain't no reason I'm playing the first two preseason games. I mean, I'm a veteran guy that brought me in. So there's great things about me. I'm a great player. I'm a leader. I'm, I'm okay here. So I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm healthy. And he played the last game. He played the half, and he looked fine. So I think probably in his mind, he didn't realize that Robert Teamer was gaining uh, steam on him that quickly. And I'm still surprised. I think Teamer's a guy he probably can bring back on a practice squad. He didn't, you know, hadn't played for a while and uh, didn't play much when he played for Bradley with the Chargers. But, you know, that's just kind of they, they want to promote competition, and they want to promote that. You know, no job is safe. You shouldn't feel, you know, shouldn't get too secure. And I think Carl's example of that where they got a guy with momentum who had a background with, with Bradley and Teamer. They liked what he brought, and they kind of figured that Carl, you know, maybe, like, like Mike mentioned, he should have played a lot in those, the first two games. But I doubt that's what they told him before that first game. They probably say, just get, get right and get healthy. They didn't say, hey, man, you better play against the Seahawks or you're going to get cut. But I'm sure he probably would have played the uh, Seahawks where they played. But uh, anyway, but yeah, so it's tough for Carl. I'm sure he came back. He was definitely looking forward to playing for the Raiders again. And uh, he liked the idea of a veteran role and, and kind of being a mentor to the young guys. But NFL, man, things happen quick. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What is your overall take on, on the outlook of this roster? I mean, everyone always talks going into cut day. Oh, it's going to be so tough. They got, they got all these guys. I mean, 
I think it speaks a little bit to the roster that none of their players were, were picked up on waivers. That doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, it, it, it does tell you that it's not like they had a, a bunch of guys that were really tough cuts. Where do you guys think this roster is going into week one and going into the season? Yeah, I think I was going to say the defense looks better on paper, but I think with those injuries at linebacker is kind of, you know, tempering my, my expectations there. You know, obviously that's been a issue for them for years at that position. You know, they thought last year bringing in Littleton and, and Kwiatkowski would finally fix that. Obviously, both of those guys are going to be out there, expected to anyway, week one. But that kind of makes me hesitate a little bit. You know, I think last season we, we kind of thought the defense looked a little bit better on paper as well. So I'm just kind of timid to commit too much to that side of the ball. I think offensively, I, th- I think they'll be pretty close to what they were last year. I, I do think the margin for injury on offensive line is, is pretty slim. Um, they only carried eight. I think Mayock yesterday said he, he would prefer to get up to nine just to feel more comfortable because Nick Martin, I think, is pretty solid as the backup center. But uh, with Incognito ha- kind of having an injury and, and coming off an injury last year, you don't know how healthy he's going to be. So, you know, if he does have a sustained injury, you know, John Simpson, I think he shows he can kind of fill in as a starter. But, you know, how high of a level is he really playing at? Um, and then what do you have behind him, you know, if, if Incognito is hurt? And then that swing tackle with Brandon Parker, uh, you know, they said he's had a good camp. and You, know, you believe in it? Him, but, no, not really. I mean, like he's, he struggled pretty, pretty mightily through his first three seasons. And so I mean, maybe he's, he's finally put it all together. But, you know, ideally, like, you know, neither Colton Miller, I mean, Colton Miller's been a pretty durable guy. And Alex Otherwood in college didn't have many injury issues. So ideally, like neither one of those guys never really have to, you know, leave the field. But if they do and, and you do have to rely on Brandon Parker out there on the edge, you know, I think that is a little bit concerning. So like their O-line depth, I think the starting unit will be fine. I think it at least be competent. You know, it may not be reached the highs as a, as a veteran group had in the past, but I think it'd be fine. But their depth just doesn't seem like it's there. And so, well, I think the offense will be pretty good again, like the, the margin for injury. And we, as I mentioned earlier, at the receiver now, we're cutting John Brown. Like, you know, I guess you could say that about multiple teams in the league, but they just don't have much room to lose guys on the side of the ball. Yeah, I think the two lines are key for me. I think, like Deshaun mentioned, the old line, the depth is definitely a big question mark. We saw that throughout the preseason. Leatherwood's not a sure thing. I know people say he's been great and doing a good job. He has been, but, I mean, still a rookie uh, starting a tackle against, you know, top pass rushers is going to be some growing pains for sure. So, uh, to me, that's a key a key area. The other side of the ball, uh, the D-line, they have 10 guys, and all those 10 guys are pretty good. They all look have, they have roles. They all have some upside. I mean, even Farrell, people are down on him. But if he's your seventh or eighth best D lineman, that's pretty that's pretty freaking good. So I think um, all those guys look, look good in camp. I mean, we talked about Max a lot and Ngakwe, how they kind of uh, are definitely uh, you know firing each other up and definitely in great shape and look motivated to have big years, which has been – it's been a while since so you had two pass rushers who could make some noise for this team. So the deep tackles look good to me. I think Phylon's been a nice addition. So – I think those two areas are going to be key for this team if they're a playoff team or not. So um, we'll see how it goes as far as the, um, the O-line and what they can do to bolster it the next uh, next few days. Cleef Furl, number eight defensive lineman. I said seven or eight. It's not going to go viral. I said seven or eight. Maybe six. Maybe six. Even six. Don't get me in trouble. I was going to say, I'm kind of feeling the, the secondary a little bit. Maybe I'm... I think Trayvon Muller, you know, he's, he's proven himself to be a pretty good corner in this league. Casey Hayward, you know, maybe you know, the age is starting to catch up to him. But I think between him and Damon Arnett, the other corner spot would be, like, solid this year. I know it's been preseason, but but Nate Hobbs looks pretty good at that at that nickelback role. I think Abram, you know, being more of a box safety, not having to play as much too high and kind of 
play deep zones. I think that kind of lessens the room for him to make those kind of glaring mistakes that we saw last year. Kind of like, you know, obviously the, the most notable one being being that Chiefs loss. You know, I think, I think he might be more comfortable as like, you know, fit his skill set a little bit more. You know, Trayvon Morick, you know, he's like, you know, he's a rookie starter, you know, like, like Nate Hobbs. So it's kind of question mark, you know, can he fill in that center fielder role? That's a lot of pressure, especially, you know, in this division. So um, I guess we have to really see how, how Morick and, and Hobbs kind of play once once the game start to count. But they've invested a lot of draft capital in that secondary. And so it has to start, start clicking at some point. And I think, you know, particularly at that defensive line plays the way they expect, should start to see, you know, some growth and improvement from that secondary this year. One spot where we'll talk some people off the ledge a little bit is everyone's furious, fans. Why haven't they cut Nevin Lawson? Like, you guys know he's not really on the roster. He's on the suspended list, which takes him off of the roster. So there's zero reason to have to cut Nevin Lawson right now. He's suspended for the first two weeks. He doesn't count on the roster. He, you know, not paid, anything like that. They go two weeks into the season, and let's say suddenly, you know, they get two, three injuries in the secondary and they need guys. Well, they've already cut him and then now he's not around. Like he's an insurance policy, I would say for right now. And, and you kind of see what happens after two weeks. If you want him on the roster, then, then you put him on it and then we'll let Raider fans go nuts about him being on the roster. But, but right now, don't trip about Nevin Lawson being on the roster. They still kind of like him. People don't want to realize that, but <laughs> I mean, he's a veteran guy. He's got some toughness. He played a little bit last year. They brought him back. I mean, it's a very young secondary. You may want his leadership and his veteran toughness in there at some point. You may realize the young guys you, you brought along originally aren't quite there yet, and you can put them back in the practice. But with the practice squad, there's 16 guys. You can go back and forth this year, so you definitely can keep Lawson around and shuffle him on some of those young guys back and forth. So I wouldn't bury Nevin Lawson quite yet. Yeah, I don't think it's like the worst guy in the world to be like the what's your sixth cornerback. Yeah, exactly. Is that what he is behind with, with Amik Robertson kind of bouncing back? Like, I mean – not about to be starting, you know, barring a, a significant string of injuries. So, no, people just hate the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if it was still like, I think it was just the fact that, like, you know, he's number one on the depth chart ahead of Hobbs and everyone's loving Hobbs. But, you know, hey, the guy's suspended. He's not on the roster right now. Just just relax for a couple weeks. And... I mean, he makes some bad plays. It's not, I mean, there are plays where you're like, what the hell is that guy doing? But he's also plays where he definitely is in the right spot or he'll make a tackle. So, I think it balances out. But the bad plays in, in fans' minds definitely stand out more than the good plays. All right, well, next week we're going to talk about our expectations. We're going to give our season predictions and all that, um, records and whatnot. In terms of expectations within the organization, Mike Mayock laid it out on Wednesday. said, we're not hiding from expectations. I think John and I would both tell you that we feel like we need to be a playoff team this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You guys are all going to put that in your headlines, and I understand it, but that's what the expectation is. We think we've done the infrastructure work necessary to put us in position. We got to take care of business. We all know Mike's on the line this year, right? Mike's job's on. If, if they're not a playoff team, Mike Mayock probably is not back as Raiders general manager in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I, both he and Derek Carr are definitely on, you know, on the hot seat. And I think, uh, but I, I was, my, my reaction was, what was last year? I thought was the whole no excuses year. So I guess there were some excuses, and last year wasn't quite. They were ready for the playoff run, whatever. But I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, this is John's fourth year. I think there's a stat where usually no coach has ever made it three years without making a playoff uh, sp- uh, run. So he's definitely in some special uh, territory there. So it's, it, it got to make it. I think Mark Davis probably rolled his eyes when he heard that because he's like, duh. I mean, no kidding. Obviously, I wanted to go to the playoffs. I wanted to go last year. So I get it. They're trying to promote. I mean, everything's optimistic. Everything's like, you know, pointing to the playoffs. And I'm sure that, I think the bar should have been there last year as well. 
I think we forget they they were not even close to the playoffs last year though. They finished no. three games out. Right. A ten win Miami team didn't even make it. That's after the collapse. Before the collapse, they were they were sitting pretty. So I mean, but they the wouldn't they wouldn't needed eleven wins to get in. What was a high point last year? They were what were they? Came up were they six and four? Were they seven and four at one point? I've been seven and four. Yeah. But yeah. So. I mean, it, it was a tough year last. I mean, like it was. I mean, the, the Dolphins won ten games that didn't get in. But it's gonna be tough this year too. You're, you're gonna need yeah. 10, 11 wins this year as well. So I mean, yeah. it's still... especially oh yeah with the seventeen games. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I just, like I don't, I don't think he was like you know breaking news to any of us that like that's that's the the mission for the team this year. Putting your headlines. No. Yeah. I will not. So, <laughs> like, what was he going to say in response to that that expectations question? Yeah, we're going to you know be nine and eight. Like, no incremental improvement, guys. Yeah, hey, John like, Gruden's yeah. improved every season. Yeah, it is, it is kind of like a dumb moment, but you know we'll see. Like, you never know how. I would say last year they were a fringe playoff team. Like, I mean, they started six and three, beat the Chiefs on the road. It was like, oh man, like, it seems like this is this is probably going that way. And you know they did lose some tight games to some of those like the Dolphins and. Other teams that were in that playoff mix were like they could have got to ten or eleven wins if they didn't like shit the bed in a few of those close games at the end of last year or throughout last year. You know, it wasn't completely off the table, and um, that was with like basically the worst defense in franchise history. And so, like, it's, you know, you can talk yourself into it, like if the defense is like below average to average, and like the offense keeps the pace, and they just don't turn their brain off at the end of games. Like, you know, it, it could be there, and so like. I think it's a realistic expectation to have. I think, you know, with the roster they, and the amount of time that they've had. I mean, like like, like we've said before, blowing up the entire team. You know, you've had like, three drafts now with Mayock and Gruden. Like, you know, it's time. Like, you made several free agent signings. Some of them didn't work out, but cool. You've had time to redo it and, and take some more swings since then. Like, there it really isn't a way they can talk themselves out of it. Like, the COVID thing doesn't really hold any weight to me because it's not like they're the only team in the league that, like, has to deal with COVID. Like, obviously, everybody does. And, um, seems like they've done a pretty good job of getting guys vaccinated. Um, I know they have a couple guys like Denzel Perriman coming in that, that aren't aren't vaccinated. Uh, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. But yeah, I mean, like you know, kind of said, you know, last year they took the no excuses line. I, I do think where we were with COVID last year without having vaccines and stuff, like even though they didn't do the best job of like containing it as we know, but you could have been on your p's and q's and still had an outbreak last year just with the nature of it. So I think this year is really like the year where there's you can't use COVID as an excuse this year. You can't really turn anywhere else. Like, this is the year where you have to break through. Yeah, I mean, in last season, let, let's say they win that Chiefs game and they win that Dolphins game and get to 10-6, and six, even if that hadn't been enough to make the playoffs. And, and that might have, you know, tie break. You know, obviously, that changes other people's records and whatnot. If they'd had a season like that where they go 10-6 and six and, and miss the playoffs, you you feel different. You can say, hey, like, you know, this was just, hey, we we you win 10 games. That's That's a good season, even if you don't make the playoffs. But... On the flip side, they shouldn't have won the Jets game, but uh, the Jets tanked that one away. All right, let's uh, take a few questions here. We got one from Graham C. Let's hear your best Mike Mayock presser phone call conspiracies. I think it was, uh, let's go with uh, Leia. It was his daughter. Daughter was calling him about something. They had to step away from, from us to handle some, a family matter. At least watching the the, the the press conferences, she knows not to, to call during those. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll, say, I'll go with the boring one. I'll say it was, you know, either running back or KJ Wright's agent trying to uh, get some of that money. That's that's what I'm going to say. But um, it's weird. It was definitely unusual. So I think it had to be something out of the ordinary. So uh, maybe it was uh, I have no idea, a family thing, if not an agent thing. But um, I'm sure it's pretty boring. I'm sure Mike enjoyed the the drama. You don't think Mark Davis called him and said, hey, did you see these pictures of my house that they're building? <laughs> <laughs> that was unusual. Huh? But uh, maybe. Maybe. 
Maybe it did. All right. Uh, from Tim O, with only five wide receivers on the roster, do you think Gruden is planning on using Kenyon Drake a lot at wide receiver and making him a major part of the passing game? Vic, you wrote about that they kind of see him in that role. I know last year he was, you know, and this is part of it, a function of the, the Cardinals offense that he was right at the bottom of the, of the league in terms of running backs and yards per route run. Um, so he wasn't actually a, an efficient pass catcher last year, but that was the Cardinals offense. So what do you think about the Raiders getting him more involved? They have five receivers right now. We already talked about it, that they could be adding Dylan Stone or maybe by the time you are listening to this. Yeah, I think that's the plan. I think they're going to have him line up wide. Uh, I don't know how often, but definitely at times, especially in the red zone. I think Darren Waller is the guy they, they line up outside wide. So there's definitely guys that can line up in place of a receiver out wide. So I'm not, I think in their mind, they could probably survive with five. They've had six in the past. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think Drake will definitely uh, have a role uh, as a receiver this year. Nah, don't, don't say that, man. Gruden's gonna remember I asked him. That's right, John got mad. Drake caught a nice wheel ride, wheel ride up the sidelines for a touchdown against the Rams, and like, that's okay, you're gonna use him like that? Nah, so they have zero plans. He's gonna have zero targets this season, no catches, complete non factor in the past. Be a big surprise. All right, question from Aiden M. What do you guys make of the comments in the AFC ranking article that basically says the Raiders do everything wrong? Is that a bit unfair? That's from Mike Sando's uh, article out on Thursday on The Athletic where he talked to different executives around the league, had them rank all the teams. They ranked the Raiders 12th in the AFC. Um, I'll give you one uh, one quote here. I could talk to you for hours on my opinion on the Raiders and how they have botched roster management and resource allocation. Everything that I feel like is wrong and how not to run a team, I feel like it's been done there. They have invested in safeties, gone out in free agency, and spent on linebackers, traded away elite talent going back years. Fair? Unfair? I mean, this is a positive preseason space right now. <laughs> but not, the crap on it. But that's not uh, an, an inaccurate statement. Inaccurate. It is definitely, they've done a lot wrong. Um, not only in the last three or four years, but before that, as far as draft picks, free agency. I mean, when you... When you have one winning season, is it 19, 19 years now? It's definitely, you're not doing a lot right. You're not like, you know, not high-fiving all the moves you're making, um, especially of late. So, ideally, they got some right this year in terms of free agency and the drafts. We'll see. But um, definitely, they've had uh, a bad run uh, in terms of uh, transactions of late and also for the last 20 years. Yeah, I think, like, the, the three major, I guess, team building categories you would point to drive free agency and trades and i don't think i mean i think even if you ask poll fans like i don't think they would say they've been doing a good job in any of those three categories so like when you say everything that makes it sound a little harsh but i mean it's not been good that's for sure so yeah i mean they got they got a new stadium that's a positive right they got yeah, a brand I mean, yeah. so that's that's yeah. one thing they, 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 they need to finally start getting some revenue out of it they yeah i don't think they got right the revenue but it's gonna yeah. come it's gonna come Jeffrey H., put on your coach slash GM hats. What would you do with Cleland Furl? Trade him, re-sign, pick up his option, etc. I ain't picking up his option. <laughs> what's it, what's etc.? <laughs> what's, what's the other option? Uh, etc. is my option. He plays out his four years and nice to know you. I, I mean, unless unless he's wants to sign like a, you know, a, a two-year, $4 million extension, you know. I, that's the only real option for me is that you – you definitely don't pick up his fifth-year option unless he somehow this season becomes a world beater. You let him play out his fourth year next year. He goes into free agency, and if you he wants to come back, 
on a deal that's commiserate with a, a number seven, number eight defensive lineman. I mean, there are worse things you could do, but you're not like re-signing him to an extension or anything. Would you trade him for a fourth round pick? Obviously, you lose some face. People would say it's you know that, that example the Raiders doing everything wrong. But would you do that right now? Because obviously, he has some value. I would think for some team, and he's a rotational guy. So, fourth round pick, would you do that in terms of you don't really maybe need him that much this year with the depth you have at D line, and you get a piece for the future, or is that not good enough for, for a guy who is still you know a, a solid player? If the alternative is, is letting him walk, I think it's like better to get something back for him. Like especially if they got number four overall. Like I feel like he would get shit on the worst if he just got nothing in return for the number four guy and he wasn't good when he was with you and it's, that's just it. If I'm a GM and I'm trying to like save some face a little bit, like, all right, let's let's get a draft pick. Maybe that pick turns into, you know, I mean they've had some successful fourth round picks, you know, Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro. So if we get a fourth round pick and it turns into one of those guys, like, ah, see, that's why I took him Number four overall, it got me a, a starter. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's really a good way for them to play it. If, if you know, outside of him, like you said, him taking off this year and, and really showing some growth and improvement, um, and you kind of bringing him back from there. But uh, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, with, with how he's played so far, and also just the lack of availability. I mean, he's been he's been hurt the last couple of weeks. I mean, he dressed out for the for the final preseason game, so I don't think it's super serious. But um, he didn't practice. Uh, yesterday, I, I, we haven't had practice today, so I don't, I don't know yet. But, um, you know, his first couple of years, I mean, he missed games, you know, the, the solid little chunk of games or was hurt or had COVID or whatever it may be his first couple of seasons. So it's, it's not only being relatively ineffective, but it's also not being out there a ton. And so I would say the least likely of those is probably picking up the option. But I think you have to do something besides just letting them walk though, after, after spending that kind of draft capital on him so recently. I wouldn't trade him this year. I would consider maybe next year trading him for a fourth round pick. I just think. You know, he's a useful body. You know, if you trade him with two years still left on the contract, I probably wouldn't. But I mean, I guess, I mean, it would save some money, right? It probably wouldn't, wouldn't really save him much because so much of that, those first round contracts are based on that signing bonus that you'd eat a lot of dead money. So I mean, I, I, I think for the, for the relative pennies you'd save, I would keep him around and just kind of have him be a useful body. My guess is you'd be able to get a higher draft pick this year than next year because people realize. You get two years. You get two years plus people realize, oh, this guy's not in your plans. So why am I giving you? A fourth round pick for a guy you're gonna let go in a year. So but I don't know. This is all speculation. But again, he's not a bad player. I mean, that's the thing. People obviously get caught up in where he was picked, but I mean, he's fine. <clears throat> I think he'll definitely help them win as he's part of the rotation. So there's no rush to get rid of him. Yeah, and that's why I say just just keep him and let him be useful for you. So we'll go one more question here <laughs> from Tim O. Is this the same Tim O earlier? I don't know, but um, I like this question. Do you think the Raiders would benefit from platooning Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota occasionally the same way the 49ers did with Trey Lance and Jimmy G in the preseason? <laughs> why, why are we still doing this? Like, why we, I mean, you were Derek the one Carr who wanted to put Dan Bowden in at quarterback last year. And put Derek it was a Carr joke. It was a joke. <laughs> joke. I was joking. Joke, like, joke, joke. I got, people ask me to this day, like, People that aren't as familiar with the Raiders, like, is, is Mary, Mariota going to get some starts? No. Like, no. He's, like, is Derek Carr is a starting quarterback. Would they, like, do some gadget stuff with Mariota? I'm sure. Probably. Like, you know. What does Richie Incognito think, though? We need, we need Richie's opinion. He wants, he wants the Mariota package. I mean, I think considering it in the red, you know, considering a couple of plays in the red zone here and there, the red zone offense has not been good enough. And so I think that's where you consider it just because 
you can't just keep doing what you did last year in the red zone. You've got to improve there. And so if, if maybe he can work up some plays for you in the red zone uh, is where you is the only time you would consider it. Right, I agree. But I was gonna they added you know both King and Drake and they got Moreau back, so those two you know, red zone weapons that like definitely will help Derek a lot. So I think they've worked on a package for Mariota. I'm still not sold that John's going to pull the trigger because John's pretty conservative, especially when he has a, has a lead in games. So I think he likes continuity in terms of his quarterback play. I think you know Derek has shown really well in terms of late first half late game situations. So we'll see. I, I don't really as far as this, I'm splitting reps will never happen because obviously. No. Last year, they brought in Marcus to kind of threaten Derek a little bit, and Derek definitely won that challenge, hands down. There's a big gap between Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. I mean, if you don't see that, you really have a, a skew. You're really looking at it not from an open mind. You're really kind of looking at it from your own perspective. It's, it's, not, it's not close in terms of those two guys. I'm sorry, but it's not. So, can Marcus do things Derek can't? For sure. So, uh, will that be in the offense? Uh, wait and see. I mean, they definitely talk about it. It's an option, but uh, again, it's knowing John and his pattern in the last few years. I can see him just going with Derek, and, and that'll be it. That's the other thing is, like, Mariota's been hurt for, like, what, four years yeah. now? Like, they're scared <laughs> to play him in the preseason. Like, do we really want him, like, just doing a bunch of zone reads and run pass options and getting smacked by, like, defensive linemen? Like, do you think he's going to hold up for 17 games doing that? Like, especially if they did, it, like, a game-by-game package for him? Like, I don't, I don't know. Nate Peterman package. Nate Peterman package. He was running around a lot. Hey, hey, you might have something there. All right, well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back next week. And, Vic, can you get on the phone with Ted's agent? Let's offer him a deal. Let's let's get him back. Uh, we'll get him back next week and uh, let him rejoin the roster. And... Do you have a practice squad? Do you have a practice squad for us? We can like... Let's sign him to the practice squad. Okay, all right. And then I, I can do let's, see, let's see if by next week he can earn his way back up to the roster. Um, I like it. Get, get him on the practice squad. And, and then we'll see. I think he can earn his way back up to the roster. For next and we'll have week. like op- open trials to take his spot just in case. Yeah. We'll have like guys coming for workouts and just yeah. have a list of guys we can plug in if Ted doesn't work out again. Like Sounds it. good. All right. All right, guys. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, Joe. Adios.